Welcome to The Howler. Your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Chris Lehman and Drew Blevins. Welcome inside the Wolfpack Sports Television Studios. I'm Drew Blevins alongside Chris Lehman. As always, you are listening to The Howler. This is our third episode of Season 1. Chris, I mean... It's been an interesting week in NC State athletics, to say the least. What's your overall opinion of how the Wolfpack did this week? Well, not a bad week. You know, basketball gets underway. A couple exhibitions, a couple of wins. A couple of spots to be worked on, but with the first game of the season, that's what you expect. So I think a good start, of course, with wins, you can never go wrong. So a good start for basketball. NC State football back on the rails. They pick up that 24-8 victory up at Chestnut Hill against Boston College. Tough one coming up this week, though, against Florida State. We'll have to see how that one works out. Going to be probably the toughest game of the season because Clemson was at home. This game is in Tallahassee against Florida State. Undoubtedly, we here at the Howler always endeavor to bring you the state of Wolfpack Athletics, and we do that through the guests that we bring into the studio. And tonight we have a very, very familiar face in studio with us, our own Wolfpack Sports Television employee, play-by-play and color voice, as well as co-host of 88.1 WKNC's Pulse of the Pack, Ben Hefner. Ben, thanks for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, You know, we worked a lot. Over there on Pulse of the Pack, it's good to finally be on the Howler. Well, Ben, one of the real reasons we brought you over here is so that we could get another sports journalist's perspective on this NC State basketball season because that is something we're going to spend a majority of our time this evening talking about. And we start with the exhibition game against Cal State Los Angeles. It is a 71-54 to victory for NC State. It's no surprise at the result. But overall, what were your impressions and what were your thoughts about the way NC State went about playing their brand of basketball? Well, uh, of course, it's always good to get a win in exhibition game. But, uh, you know, you kind of look across the country and you see all these gaudy score lines. And this just wasn't quite that. Um, NC State had, you know, around a 10-12 point lead at halftime and uh, slowly increased as the game went. Um, only winning by 17 doesn't look uh, very good, but I think there's a lot of things that uh, um, we can pull from this game, most notably Cat Barber. Um, he was fantastic, only guy that had above a 50% uh, field goal percentage. Uh, looked really good, made a lot of good decisions. His pull-up jumper looks excellent. Um, so I really think that that's going to be huge for him, especially with the way that he can drive. Uh, gives a change of pace to his usual um, uh, way of attacking, which usually ends at the basket. He also has shown an improved three-point shot. So I think he's going to be huge. His defense looks great. And I think it's going to be between him and a uh, guy down the road, Marcus Page, for uh, who gets the first-team All-ACC spot this uh, this year. Another guy that's impressed was Abdul Malik Abu. Uh, a lot of big things that we've heard about him from the coaching staff. And he showed it with 13 points in the first half. Um, increased shooting touch. Still needs to work on some post, some post moves. But, uh, you know, with all of his athleticism, I think he's going to be able to grow into that. Um, I think he's going to be a game changer. Probably the other thing that stood out to me the most was our starting lineup in that we were playing very small. Um, you know, we start with Cat Barber, Terry Henderson, and the Martin Twins. 
Uh, you know, you have Cody Martin, who's probably going to play like four positions this year, including point guard. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. And then Abu uh, starting at the five. So starting very small. Abu's a little bit undersized uh, for a big man. But with only three big men on the roster, uh, we're probably going to do that all year, um, except for some uh, special circumstances. So uh, it's interesting. We've just seen the Golden State Warriors in the NBA winning, uh, win NBA championship uh, with that kind of that kind of starting lineup. So uh, it can definitely be successful. I'm interested to see how we implement it. All right, now you, you talk about the Golden State Warriors. And the first thing that comes to my mind when I think Golden State Warriors is shooting the ball because that's about all they do. They shoot the ball every time down the floor. I mean, you have the best shooter in the game, Steph Curry, and then another another good guy to compliment him in Clay Thompson, who not off to a great start this year, but still a solid shooter. NC State, it seems like, is going to have to have another shooter. Cat Barber is getting better with that, as you talked about, the pull-up jumper. At the end of last season, we also saw him start to hit some long-range shots, but there's going to have to be someone else that can step in and do that. Who do you think who's good? Who is going to be that guy for NC State? Uh, you know, the consensus going in is that it's going to be Terry Henderson. Uh, he had pretty good three-point numbers as a freshman at West Virginia. He did not have a very good first game, but, uh, you know, that's his first game back in uh, over a year uh, playing actual competitive basketball games. So uh, I'm not surprised that he started a little bit rough. Um, but I think there's some other guys. Caleb Martin hit a few threes early, so I think he's another guy that if he can show some consistency, I know he has the confidence uh, to take those take those shots. Um, so if he can improve his consistency, he's another guy. You know, I one big difference from the Warriors is, yeah, we're not going to be a huge jump shooting team. Um, but I think what we do bring to the table is athleticism across the board that rivals just about anybody in the country. Um, we've Every year they uh, you know, bring in some guys to do the NBA Combine and run their testing. And this by far, um, this year by far, we had the best results. Um, I think we had uh, six guys with over a 39-inch vertical uh, taking two or three steps in. So uh, that's amazing. Um, so a lot of athleticism, uh, which might help counteract some of our shooting struggles. And I think it's going to help us a lot on defense. Uh, we have a lot of length, if not um, height. So I... Yeah, to answer your question, I, I'm not quite sure yet who's going to step in as that second guy uh, as a scorer, but we definitely have some guys with potential. And uh, to be truthful, I really expect Terry Henderson to, after a few games, step into that role. It was interesting last season we saw a lot of reliance on individual talent. Trevor Lasty, Ralston Turner, Cat Barber toward the end of the season. You can even go back to the year before that with T.J. Warren. Exactly. Mark Godfrey, over the past few years, has relied solely on individual talent. How important is it going to be this season in particular for this basketball team to play as a team? Well, um, you know, uh, we've talked about before how the main guy probably going into this year is going to be Cat Barber, and he showed that uh, in this exhibition game. But uh, I don't think he's quite the pure scorer that we saw in T.J. Warren and Trevor Lacey. Uh, so I definitely think we're going to have to spread the ball around. Uh, more of that being said, I think this year we have the most potential um, scoring threats around those players. So, And, and you saw that in the exhibition game. We played through um, a motion offense a lot more than you know, just straight sets or just you know one guy going one-on-one. You saw a, lot, saw a lot of pick and roll, something that Cat can be very uh, explosive with, and especially if he can dish to some of our big guys and get them going that way since they're not um, – none of our guys are really great scorers yet uh, in the post. So uh, I, I think it's going to be very important moving forward for everybody to develop their offensive games, to find uh, you know, their roles within the offense. 
you know, I don't think we're going to have a guy that goes out and gets 20 every game because Cat, even though he's a very good scorer, he's also the point guard. I think there are going to be some games he's going to have to take the back seat, uh, some other guys. And, you know, game to game, we might not know who it's going to be. Uh, so I think the big thing is we're going to need to be consistent um, throughout the starting lineup. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to get some guys off the bench as well. Uh, they're going to have some big games. Now, we've talked a lot here about offense, and I think you know that's where the big questions question marks are. You lose Trevor Lacey, Ralston Turner, guys that really kind of drive that offense, so you've got to find those holes to fix that. But defensively, there hasn't been a lot of discussion. I think that, to some extent, warranted a very good defensive team last year, some good defenders, notably Cat Barber with his quickness, coming back. How do you see this defense panning out this year? They only give up 54 points in the first game to Cal State Los Angeles, but that they were limiting teams like North Carolina to that number and less last year. Uh, the big thing that I'm interested in seeing is not necessarily in these opening games, but in games against conference opponents that have multiple big guys. Because um, that, that's the special situation where I'm saying we might have to have two of our guys out there. And the question at that point is, is can, or can they stay out of foul trouble? Um, I have some questions about that. Uh, BJ Anya especially is a great shot blocker, but his style of defense is very much uh, risk-reward. With He's either going to get the block uh, completely let the guy score by messing up or um, get a foul. That's what we've seen so far. Hopefully he's uh, made some strides um, with just overall defense. Um, I'm really excited to see Terry Henderson because I think one way that he is an upgrade over Ralston Turner is his overall game. He's much more athletic. Um, and Ralston last year, if he wasn't um, hot for the three-point line, he wasn't offering us a whole lot anywhere else, and that includes on the defensive end. I think Terry's much more dedicated uh, defender, and then you see the Martin twins um, on the perimeter. They're going to be a very tough uh, guard for somebody because you know they have that link, they have that quickness uh, to go along with relative height. Now, then I question though if again if we go small ball on a team that has some talented low post guys, that's going to require one of them. If we're looking at just the starting lineup, that's going to require uh, probably Cody Martin to go up against a guy that might have a few inches and probably a lot of pounds on him. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see. There's a possibility that we might go zone a little bit. I did see us do that some um, against Cal State. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I think it's going to be a strength this year, especially in the beginning when we're figuring out our offense. I think uh, the way we're going to win games is to hold teams of 50, 60 points. And before we transition into getting your perspective on what the football outlook is going to be, I do want to ask you about your opinions about the bigger games coming up. Arizona State, Michigan is arguably the biggest non-conference basketball game that we have for the men's season on the schedule. Does this team match up well with these well-established opponents in the big time? And how important is it going to be to win those games come NCAA tournament resume time? Oh, it's going to be very important. Um, I think we've seen past few years that Mark Gottfried has done a good job of scheduling, um, maybe not necessarily like top 25 teams, but uh, you know, uh, smaller-time teams that perform very well. Um, and I think they're going to match up well at Arizona State, of course. Uh, Herb Sendek, former NC State coach, coaches them. They're generally a quality team on the bubble every year. Uh, Michigan uh, was really big you know, on the national scene a few years ago, but they've fallen a little bit. So I think we match up well. Um, I definitely think those teams are going to provide challenges for us, especially on the offensive end, uh, and we're going to have to look to some of our better players uh, and older guys to really perform in those games. And we transition now into football, 
And we look at it, NC State, it's a huge win against Boston College this past week by a final count of 24-8. to It is the key magic number sixth win, so NC State will be going bowling in the postseason. Ben, if you had to give your best prediction, where is NC State going? I mean, CBS has them winning out, essentially one loss to Florida State is the wild card in that situation, 8-4, and 9-3 to the Belk Bowl, or is it a Tier 2 quick lane military where you're not playing an SEC opponent? What you got for us there? Um, well, the way I see it, we should uh, we should beat Syracuse, putting us at seven, seven wins, and then you have chances against either FSU or UNC to get some quality wins. Um, FSU, we have a chance. Um, that's going to be a tough game in Tallahassee against UNC. Uh, it depends on which UNC team show, shows up. It depends on which NC State team shows up. Um, you know, possibility UNC with a chance at an ACC title shot on the line, and then that's going to be uh, NC State Senior Day. So a lot of emotions going there. I'm going to take NC State to win one of those games, not both of them, probably putting us uh, in the Pool 1 section, which is going to be Music City, uh, Belk Bowl, Pinstripe Bowl, Sun Bowl. Um, I know we've heard that they're kind of hoping for a Pinstripe Bowl. Um, Get to go up to New York, play Yankee Stadium. That's pretty cool. Uh, if we got the Belk Bowl, obviously staying in state, we're going to have a big uh, following there. And Music City is only in Tennessee. So um, I, I think we're going to get a pool one. Um, but, you know, it's not a lost season. If we only get pool two, there's still some uh, quality bowls there, like the Quick Lane Military Bowl. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think we're going to get to that eight and four mark. Um, uh, probably our best chance is going to be to get Syracuse and North Carolina, although North Carolina is definitely starting to look like a team to reckon with. Right, and you, you bring that up, so I want to touch on that briefly here. Uh, you, you talked about it a little bit. It all depends really on which team on both sides shows up. What do you expect out of NC State? Because regardless, whether or not Carolina is playing for that spot in the ACC championship game, that's going to be a big game. What kind of take do you have for that one? Well, um, for a really long time, you know, North Carolina's not much of a football state, um, but you know recently we've seen the resurgence of uh, Duke and Carolina as, as football schools. And for a long time, NC State, even though we didn't have a great program, were kind of the bona fide um, you know number one uh, state champions. And then you know we won the state championship. I, I have air quotes right now um, last year. I think we're going to be defending that this year. <laughs> uh, so I'm interested to see what happens in that Carolina game. You know, if their offense comes out and is clicking on all cylinders, we've given up a lot of big plays this year. Um, and that, that's been a huge uh, weakness on our defense. If we let them get up three, four scores early, uh, I don't think that our offense, especially with the running game the way it is, is going to be quite uh, good enough to get back. But if we can hold their offense down, I think we're going to get it done in Raleigh. Ben Hefner of Wolfpack Sports Television, one of our own, the inaugural guest who is also an employee of Wolfpack Sports Television. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, No problem. Thanks for having me on. On the other side of the break, Chris Lehman and I will be breaking down NC State hockey, who suffered their first loss over the weekend. Some more about NC State football and their upcoming matchup with the Florida State Seminoles down in Tallahassee. Talking a little bit about men's soccer, men's hoops, women's hoops, and of course, as always, our predictions. We hope that you will stay tuned. It's going to be a barn burner of the next 15 minutes coming right up on The Howler. Ben, thanks so much. Welcome back to The Howler. You just heard from Ben Hefner of Wolfpack Sports Television, one of our most esteemed co-workers, a co-sports journalist. We very much appreciate his time. 
Great analysis on hoops and football, Chris, but we're stepping off the hardwood, off the gridiron, and onto the ice, and we go to the port city of Wilmington. This was billed as the biggest game for NC State. If they were going to be able to beat the UNCW Seahawks on the road, there was really no other obstacle except, save Virginia Tech at home that was going to prevent them from an undefeated season, and they drop this game 3-2. to two. What's your overall opinion of this? Because it for 40 minutes, it was just a ugly hockey game. Well, that's exactly right. And if you're NC State, the thing you focus on is that last 20 minutes where you put up those two goals and get yourself back into the hockey game. Because, as you mentioned, tough first 40 minutes. They give up two goals in the first period. They give up a breakaway goal in the second period and find themselves down three to nothing. Now, they were in a tight spot there. This was an interesting situation and something, I think, that kind of hindered them in this game a little bit is first of all you have the two-hour drive down so you have a little bit of car legs I think those got worked out in the first period and that's where you see really their worst effort they didn't quite come out with that energy and I think that stacked on top of those car legs is what put them in a real tough spot make some adjustments now there wasn't a full intermission for that first period or that first intermission and that kind of I think hurt NC State they can't make all the adjustments they want defensively and they give up another goal Third period, they get that break, they make those adjustments, and it's a completely different hockey game. NC State just about controlled the entirety of the third period. They looked very good, and they gave themselves some really good chances to tie that game up and just couldn't do so. So if you're NC State, you look at that last 20 minutes because that's the way that NC State normally plays. We saw it again the next night against Wake Forest where they went out and won 7 to nothing. So I think what you have to realize you're going to have a bad game. And for NC State, it was a bad two periods that really ended up costing them. You have to put it behind you because this team will be coming to Raleigh at the turn of the year. So you have to put this game behind you, get focused on the next one, and wait for them to come back up to Raleigh to get your revenge. Yeah, this is an interesting hockey game for me because we both picked NC State to win. Now, the Wilmington Seahawks are a very good hockey team. This is a team coming off of a run to Nationals last year. I mean, it's sort of the hidden gem of the state of North Carolina when it comes to hockey, and that's at all levels. I can harken back to my playing career, and it was always tough to go play there. It's a tiny arena. It fills well to capacity. It plays well to the home team. I think the thing that stood out to me was the way I looked at guys like Patrick Cormier who were out there laying body checks, and NC State had no response. I mean, Cormier's hits all over the place. Open ice against the boards. He was tremendous. Henry France was nailing NC State players. There were a lot of body checks laid that NC State had no answer to. And that really echoed through the first 40 minutes. I can give him a pass on the first 20 because I think Joey Hall did a good enough job to hold him down. I think NC State did have a couple of bright spots on defense. The problem was they just didn't have any offense to keep the pressure off of those blue liners. That bothers me, that there is no grit, toughness, determination on this team that is completely European-style hockey. It's speed, skill, and finesse. I want to see the hard hits. I want to see somebody get out there. I want to see somebody want to win a hockey game. I think that they have not played, say, Virginia Tech and Wilmington, teams that they should ever even consider losing to. There is no reason this team should not win the ACCHL tournament or regular season but when it comes to playing these out-of-conference opponents somebody's got to go out there and lay a body check be the physical guy to make the difference and I'm not seeing it right now and I think that has to change well 
I think you need someone who can go out there and lay those hits every once in a while. And there are guys on this team that can do it, namely in some of your defensemen. Andrew Cook, not a big body, but he can lay a hit. Simon Lecter, a little bit bigger. He'll be physical. You don't want to be too physical if you're NC State, though, because you have to look at what you're working with. This is not a big, physically big team. UNCW was, and I think that's why the Seahawks come away with that win on Friday night. I think these are pretty fairly evenly matched teams, but when you put them on two different kinds of ice, and when I say that I'm talking about NHL versus Olympic-sized ice, you're looking at two very different results. Down in Wilmington on the NHL ice that's smaller, there was not nearly as much space to move with the puck for NC State, and that's what makes them very good. Wilmington does a great job defending and taking away space from NC State, and that's what gives NC State the problems. I think physically, I think they did kind of outbattle NC State a little bit, but I don't see that as a de- deciding factor. I think when they come up to Raleigh and play NC State on an Olympic-sized sheet, we will see a completely different game. I don't think NC State will blow out UNC Wilmington, but there is the chance that they do so. On an Olympic-sized ice, you have about... 10 to 15 feet more width-wise, that's not including length. There is plenty of space on that ice for NC State to use the speed, and I think they'll be able to burn the Seahawks when they come back up in January. It's an interesting take on it for sure, and that was how it was built, style of play. It's going to be UNCW's grit versus NC State's speed and finesse. The Seahawks will come to Raleigh January 16th. The remaining schedule for the NC State ice hockey team, they will play this Friday at High Point, a game in Greensboro at 10.30 p.m. That will be on 88.1 WKNC. And then it will return home to Wolfpack Sports Television, Campus Campus Cable Channel 32.2. They will be taking on the University of North Carolina at Charlotte 49ers. NC State will then head back to the Queen City Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before Thanksgiving. They'll be playing Richmond, Georgia Tech, and Charlotte once again in the Charlotte Shootout. And NC State will wrap up the first semester portion of their season against the Virginia Tech Hokies on December 4th. That game in Raleigh televised live as well. And Chris, now we go from one aggressive sport in hockey to the gridiron. NC State is now bowl eligible But they got a real tough contest to play this weekend. Saturday at 1230, they will kick off at Doak Campbell Stadium against the Florida State Seminoles. Florida State now a two-loss team, NC State a three-loss team, but I think those records may be a little bit deceptive because this is a very good Seminole football team. Oh, absolutely. You look at what they do last week against Clemson. They stay in that game the whole time. It's a team that is supposed to make the college football playoff this year. That's a very, very good football team and Florida State shows that they are of that caliber. There's a reason they're ranked in the top 15, and we've seen them prove it throughout this season. And for NC State, having not won there in 10 years now, it's going to be a tough environment to go into and to find a win. So I don't want to write them off for this one yet, but I would say bar a breakout performance from somebody or just a terrible game from Florida State, this should be a loss for the Wolfpack. But you have to go in there and not necessarily focus on getting the win. Obviously, you want to go in there and try and get the win, but the focus needs to be on making sure that this offense is working the right way against a very good defense because there are some adjustments to be made there. Dave Doran is lacking what I would term a hallmark win for his career in the ACC. This is a chance for him to do it against Florida State. He's going to have another shot to beat a ranked opponent is what it's shaping up to be November 28th when North Carolina comes to town. But I want to talk about this Florida State football team. I want to talk about Everett Golson and Sean McGuire and Dalvin Cook and their defense and all the weapons they have. I mean, 
truth be told, this is a team that, if they play their best, should be able to blast anybody they play that's out of the top 25, and NC State is, but is this a game that turns into a laugher early? Can NC State hang with that type of offense? Because Florida State is a very, very good team. Well, last week we talked about Boston College being a great matchup for NC State. Not very powerful offensively, usually not a great passing team, which turned out to be a little bit different this week. But they matched up well for NC State. I think it's the exact opposite this week. Florida State is in a perfect position. NC State effectively doesn't really have a running back at this point with Matt Days and Chadrack Thornton gone. So they're forced to run an offense that really is predicated on speed and using that to get into space and move the football. Florida State is probably going to be faster than everyone, or most, if not all, of these NC State offensive players defensively. So it's going to be tough for NC State to move the ball. On the off, or rather on the defensive side for NC State, they're going up against a dual threat quarterback, regardless of whether it's McGuire or Golson starting. That's given them trouble this year. And then you have Dalvin Cook, who can just run through just about anything and pick up big yards and. He's going to be a big problem for NC State because while front seven have done a pretty good job, this is probably going to be the best running back that they go up against all year, and that's going to be a tough test as well. Undoubtedly, but Chris, we did talk about this isn't a lock for Florida State by any stretch of the means. If NC State comes out and plays well, I mean, this could end up being a very good football game, a highly entertaining one to watch, and it is a 12-30 kickoff, which means you can watch it on WRAL, Raycomp Sports Network, ACC Game of the Week. We look at that. Can you give me three keys to the game that determines the winner? Well, the first thing I'm going to have to say is low scoring. Anytime you see a team upset another, it's not because they outscored them because that never works. NC State's defense is going to have to come out, and against an offense that's not still good but not quite as good without Jameis Winston, they have to find a way to shut them down or else they're going to run into trouble. Offensively, I think it's going to be all about the run game. NC State's going to have to find a way to move the ball on the ground, not just with their speed. There's got to be some power there, too, or their offense is going to get shut down. Third key, one person, Jacoby Brissett. Sounds obvious, but Jacoby is going to have to have a game like he did last year for NC State, besides the top, the big plays that we saw him make, because I think he made two top ten plays in that one game that made Sports Center the next day. So he's going to have to find a way, one, make smart decisions, to make the big plays when they're needed. That's the only way NC State finds a win in Tallahassee. Key number one for me goes directly against your second key. I think it's all about the pass game. I think you've got to find a way to get Jacoby working because the run game is now going to be forced into a supplemental role. If you can get Florida State to back up and really guard against the deep ball, that's when you can start looking at moving the ball forward on the ground. But honestly, I think what you've got to look at is Jacoby Brissett throwing the ball somewhere between three and seven yards downfield, getting the ball out of his hands quickly to his speedy players in space. And if he's able to do that, NC State could very well have success. Going hand-in-hand hand with that, I think key number two is keeping the field in 10-yard chunks. Don't take penalties. Just work on getting your 10 yards for the first down in three plays. You can use it up. You can try to go for it on third down. If you get in no-man's land, I say Dave Dorn's going to have his hand forced if he wants to win this game to probably have to convert a couple fourth downs as well. But you've got to keep the field in front of you manageable. And I think if you look at just getting first downs, that's what it's going to come down to. And the third and final key is defense. 
I think, A, you've got to look at a turnover coming from the cornerbacks or the safeties. You're going to have to force Golson or McGuire, doesn't really matter who it is, to throw an interception. You need to win the turnover battle, but one is going to be very key, especially if you can turn it into points. The second thing that goes along with the defense is the fact of the matter, I think you've got to go out and hit just a little bit harder. Dalvin Cook has been banged up throughout this year. Everett Golson has his confidence in sort of a no-man's land right now because Sean McGuire has proven he's making better decisions throwing the football right now. I think if you go and you lay the wood on defense to some of these players, an early sack, stopping Dalvin Cook for a loss of yards early on in this football game, I think NC State could have a good chance of picking up momentum throughout the first half, and if they can build on that with their offensive specialty, there's no reason they shouldn't be competitive. And finally, before we get to our predictions, we'll go from American football to European football, which has been the splendid little surprise of NC State's fall athletic season. The men's soccer team were not able to pull it out against Syracuse last Wednesday, but they are still in position to make the NCAA tournament. They will have to take an at-large bid, which will put them at a lower seed. But in about 30 seconds here, Chris, can you tell me what are we to expect out of this Wolfpack soccer club? Well, I think they are an upset in the making because they're a very defensive team, and that's what works well for teams that are underdogs, keeping yourself in the game. That's something with a strong defensive line and a senior goalkeeper and Alex McCauley, this NC State team can do. But first, they've got to get in. They sit at number three in the RPI poll right now. 48 teams make it, and there are 23 at-large conference championship bids, so they're still a little bit on the bubble. Will they get in? I think they will, and when they do, they could be dangerous. All right, well, that is going to wrap it up for our analysis, and we are going to do a lightning round of Pick'em. Right now, I lead the way 6-5 to five over Chris, and it was, that, for now. it was that Alabama-LSU game that was the difference. Let me I'll say it, it, to you. Let me say it well. again. Roll Tide Roll, as they right now are well on their way to the college football playoff. They're in the Pick'em again, but we're going to start with our triangle football teams. We begin... At Wallace Wade Stadium, where the Pitt Panthers are coming to face the Duke Blue Devils. Duke coming off of a humiliating loss in the North Carolina Tar Heels. Chris, who you got? Well, that's exactly why they're going to win. Up against their hated rival, the Tar Heels, they put up a bad performance. They're going to turn it around and beat the Panthers this week. I would love to agree with you, but Duke is pretty much out of the picture for going to the ACC championship game. I think there's not a whole lot left for them to play for. I'm going to go with the Panthers, who are still an outside shot and the only one to be able to overtake Carolina in the Coastal. And now... Now we will travel to Keenan Stadium in Chapel Hill. The Miami Hurricanes come to town to take on a UNC team that hung 66 points on the Blue Devils last week. Well, I think that wasn't quite indicative of their offense. I don't think it's quite that good, but still very strong and definitely better than the Miami Hurricanes who are in a transition with an interim coach. I definitely think the Tar Heels win that one. Miami's not a bad football program by any stretch of the means, and you go back to their lateral play against Duke, regardless of legality, it was still a great athletic feat. But Marquise Williams, Ryan Switzer, Quinshaw Davis, Sam Smiley, I mean, i got to look at this Carolina team, and right now they are undoubtedly my pick to go ahead and win the Coastal. They need to win two out of their last three games, Miami, Virginia Tech, and NC State, if they can win two of them, they will be the lucky ones to face the Clemson Tigers in Charlotte. I'm going with the Tar Heels to win this one. And now we will head down to the Sunshine State, Tallahassee, Florida, Dope Campbell Stadium, NC State taking on the Florida State Seminoles. Who we got? Florida State's just too good. It's Florida State all the way. Nothing else to say. 
I'd love to be able to tell you that Dave Doran is going to make an outstanding statement win. I picked NC State way back in the preseason to go 9-3. and three. Well, the only shot I have of being absolutely and perfectly correct is if they went out. And unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to take my first lump as a sports journalist. I've got Florida State in this one. I just think they're, as you said, they're just too strong. And now we will head on down into the Gulf Coast. Mississippi State, the number 17 team in the nation, will be hosting number 2 Alabama, who is coming off of a ginormous win against the Louisiana State Tigers. Bama now ranked number two in the nation, well in the college football playoff picture. Do they get upset by a team that almost beat them last year? Well, this is a really tough pick to make. I don't want to pick against Alabama two weeks in a row, and I'm not going to. I think Alabama has proven themselves with the way that they shut down LSU and Leonard Fournette. They find a way to win this game, although I'm still a little iffy coming off a big win. You know what? I love Derrick Henry. I love Blake. Uh, I I love the quarterback that takes over for Blake Sims, who's Jake Coker. The defense is good. The coaching is outstanding. I think this Alabama Crimson Tide is poised to take over a national championship that they arguably should have had last year. I like Bama in this one, and I like Bama to go all the way. Uh, they were my pick at the beginning of the year to win it all, and I'm sticking with them. So roll, Tide, roll. And now from the gridiron to the ice rink, NC State, two games on the weekend. They will play at High Point and against UNCC. The State go 2-0, and 1-1, and or 0-2. Oh, excuse me. Well, you said it earlier. NC State has no reason to really run the table in the ACCHL this year. They're going to do it this weekend against Charlotte and against High Point, two wins for the Wolfpack. Couldn't agree anymore. This NC State team is taking on two of the weaker opponents, both our conference games. I'm going NC State. Not only do they go 2-0, and but they are going to absolutely rock the house, both in Greensboro and in Raleigh. I, I, I want you all to tune in just so you can hear the top-level commentary provided by those play-by-play guys because, I mean, Chris, they do a great job, do they not? I, I have to agree, <laughs> they do. They, they do a great job, but these are going to be a couple laughers in my opinion. And finally, we go to the hardwood. NC State opens up their basketball season on the men's side at 8 p.m. against William & Mary, and on the women's side, they open up just before at 5 p.m. taking on the Villanova Wildcats. Give me a prediction for both of those. Well, I'll go in order of time. Start with the women's team. Don't really know too much about this team. Really kind of still in a rebuilding stage after a really good season a couple of years ago. Good recruiting class coming in number 12 next year. I think this is just a year to continue to improve. I'm going to go with a win for NC State because I think they're good enough to do that. Same with the men. Uh, It's going to be an easy one against William & Mary. Two wins for the Wolfpack. I like the NC State Wolfpack to win both of those. Villanova, not exactly known for their women's side, and William and Mary would be a very tough loss to take. I think NC State's got a whole lot of reason to play and play big in front of the PNC Arena crowd. That's going to do it for the Howler. Our guest today was Ben Hefner. Thanks to our technical staff. Signing off for Chris Lehman, I'm Drew Blevins. We've just given you the state of Wolfpack athletics. Thanks for listening to the Howler. Thanks for listening to the Howler, a service of Wolfpack Sports Television. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu slash sports.